to Spice FM, Ramadan Mubarak to everybody who's listening in. This is Shumsha and this is Steph and I'm sure you already know all about me but I'll tell you anyway. I'm a dietitian, I am a public speaker and I love presenting on radio. And I'm Steph and I have a couple of roles. So I am Chief Executive of Healthwatch Newcastle and Healthwatch Gateshead which is a health and social care watchdog and we'll probably pick that up at some point throughout the show because it seems to crop into everything just like food. And uh, I am also a coach coaching female leaders and entrepreneurs. And we have a guest with us this afternoon so I'd like to welcome Chitra. Welcome. Thank you. So I'm Chitra. I'm, I'm a GP working generally in Newcastle. I've been a GP around 12 years. Um, I also have special interest in diabetes and female health. So Ramadan Mubarak to all the listeners. Thank you. Thank you very much. So I thought what we do to kick off is for our listeners who aren't fasting, it might be useful for you to know what Ramadan is. So, Steph, what are your thoughts about what Ramadan is? Well, now, you see, you're asking the wrong person now because I'm something of an expert after sitting <laughs> next to you for a year. <laughs> it was funny, actually. I was thinking that um, it's amazing that it's a year since we were talking about Ramadan. Yes, it seems to have yeah. come past so quickly, it doesn't it? Very quick. But yeah. Ramadan is a period of fasting, and I'm not going to say how long because I'm not sure on that. Um, and you fast from very early in the morning until late at night, and nothing should really pass your lips including water which was something that came as a surprise from to me certainly that that you weren't even allowed to to drink water you then break the fast and we'll be talking more about that i'm sure about the type of things that you should eat during the the period of breaking fast um i know it's not compulsory yes but it is kind of recommended and and viewed well and that Obviously, young people, people who have specific illnesses, that type of thing, are, are definitely exempt. Should Spot they need to on. Be. I'm very impressed. See, I want a gold star for that one. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, Ramadan is normally the ninth lunar month in the Islamic calendar. So because it's lunar, it's not on a set date every time uh, each year. And it's a period where people have time to self-reflect, become self-aware become closer to Allah, uh, become more conscious of their actions and how they can please Allah, which is known as taqwa. And also it's a time for you to optimize your health, which I think is a bit that gets slipped by in all the feasting that people get up to in amongst the fasting. Mm. Um, There are people who are exempt So, as Steph said, if you're elderly, if you're on medication, if you're a woman and you're pregnant or you're breastfeeding or it's about the time of your menstruation cycle, you are exempt. If you can't fast, then the Quran says quite clearly that is acceptable and there are other other ways that you can stay close to Allah spiritually and that is by making up your fast at another time of the year when it's more suited to you or by feeding the needy and the poor um, is another way to make up your fast. And fasting is one of the five pillars of Islam. So the five pillars are shahada, that is that you believe only in one God 
And the second pillar is to visit um, Makkah, um, which is a pilgrimage that is done once a year if you go to Hajj or it can be done at any time of year if you do Umrah. It's also important to read your Salah, which is your prayers, five times a day. And especially in this month, it's very important to give to charity. So the Quran actually says that in this month, Muslims who are fasting to enhance their spirituality and closeness to Allah should give sadqa, which is a type of charity, every single day of this month. So it's very big on charity. Maz. Hi, Maz. Good afternoon. So, uh, Maz is joining us uh, for a short while this afternoon as well. Maz, we were talking about fasting in general. Um, in this day and age, I think it becomes more challenging because people lead busy, stressful lives. People are on the go all the time. Do you think fasting in our generation is very different to how fasting used to be maybe for our grandparents. Oh, definitely. Absolutely. Um, it's for me as well. And I can tell you, I'm not fasting today. That's fine. Right. Um, <laughs> the older I got. Um, I did from a very young age. So even from my, my parents, not in grandparents, right, um, from a young age. And I vaguely remember about nine or ten uh, fasting uh, and and going to school. But you're right, in this modern day and age, right, I mean, I stopped fasting maybe about 10, 12 years ago. I was in um, full-time employment. I was mainly away on the road all the time. Hotels weren't geared up to give you um, food at 3 o'clock. 3 a.m. in the morning. 3 o'clock in the morning, <laughs> no. things like that. Um, you were running workshops all day long where you were breaking for coffee, breaking for lunches, breaking... Uh, I'm not saying it was a temptation, but it's it's yeah. very difficult to build your life around uh, fasting and then do a, a a daily job as well. Like I'm not making any excuses for it. People yeah. do it, yeah, right? Yeah. So I mean, people still do it today, and and they'll be on the phone saying, "Well, if I can do it, you can do it." Like you know, yeah, yeah. but it is very difficult now. It is. I I do feel it is. I think for certain jobs, and I think you also have to look at the safety. So, for example, surgeons who are operating sometimes for over 10 hours at a time. Right. I, w I, w I would question how safe is it for them to be fasting? Yeah. You, you, you wouldn't really want people who are doing that kind of um, role where they've got to have real attention and focus. And, and I would say, actually, a lot of jobs involving machinery, when you don't get decent breaks, to be doing that and fasting, you would want to just question and... And actually, if I knew somebody was fasting and operating heavy machinery, for example, I'd want to know that they were really in tune with what their body was doing and telling them yeah. that they knew that actually today is not a good day and maybe I do need to break my fast. I remember about three or four years ago, Newcastle United had a couple of players, Papa Sisi and Dan Baba. Mm -hmm. And the beginning of the season, August, they had the first six games. They were absolutely terrible. They, were, they did not play well at all. And it was after six weeks that they said that they were fasting. Mm, right. 
right? And they were breaking the fast, you know, the nighttime game, um, three quarters of the way through the game, grabbing something to drink. So, but they didn't say that as an excuse. Mm-hmm. But they said, and the the club came out and said, yes, they were fasting, and we have to adhere by what, and you can't take on liquids. You know, you're yeah. running around, mm-hmm. so it does impact. I mean, they were obviously uh, keen and the joint. So it is, and it does actually. I mean, we may come on to this later, but it that kind of highlights to me the club is their employer, and, mm. and w- were they doing the best by those players by actually playing them? Yeah, for those matches, matches would, it, yeah. would it have made more sense to just yeah. not have them playing? And, yeah, and bring them in after after the fact. True. Finished? I mean, when I worked for a large government organisation, and uh, I was the equal opportunities officer for a, for a while. Mm. And we actually issued a memorandum to all managers on what the expectation from staff is during Ramadan Mm -hmm. and don't invite them for uh, a working lunch or uh, and and things like that. And things and and true by three, four o'clock in the afternoon, your body is weak. You know, there's no food. Right. And I know my young son, when he's hungry, he's very ratty. Mm. Right, people's yeah. people's moods change, yeah. so you got to you got to be aware of that. That you know, later on in the evening, <laughs> you don't want to cross somebody who's fasting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's um, something um, that a lot of employers um, do need to think about a lot more. Yeah, I was on. Um, it's not a plug, but I was on BBC Radio Newcastle this morning. It is. <laughs> Listen again. Yeah. And uh, that was one of the questions they asked me. So if you're uh, not a Muslim and you have a colleague working with you who is Muslim, what tips would you would you give? And mm. my top tip was basically... You need to you need to be open and and have that chat. Okay, you're going to be are you going to be fasting? Mm-hmm. You shouldn't make that assumption. Yeah. Are you going to be fasting? And how, as a colleague or team member or department, yeah. mm-hmm. can we assist you in this month? Um, because nobody ever asked me that question when I was working in the NHS. I was expected to start my clinic, have ward rounds. You know, going back when I first graduated, uh, the month of Ramadan fell in the winter. Happy days. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So my fast used to break about 4 p.m. But Mm. 4 p.m. I could be in clinic with another four patients to go. And I didn't have the opportunity to walk out of there and and sensibly break my fast because nobody gave me the option. And I actually thought, I can't ask. And I, mm. and I think there are people in those situations, they, they may be fasting, but they may not even tell their colleagues they're fasting. Yeah, I think actually, that's... Yeah. Sorry, I was just going to come to that. Um, why... Um, why not we make the approach first? So, um, for, for example, I'm a Muslim uh, and I'm, I've am i decided I'm going to fast for 30 days. I don't want to assume my colleagues know what this fast involves, that I'm doing this fast. Why can't I approach my manager, my colleague, tell them a little bit about 
what this all means to me, how valuable it is for me, but how demanding it is on my physical, emotional, psychological, um, you know, aspects is, um, and see whatever can be put in place to support you. There are uh, regulations in this country that would support things to an extent. Of course, businesses are there to run. They need to make profits. And if it's con conflicting with them, then they're not obliged to give you that uh, space. But things like giving you a different time instead of having a clinic finishing at five, um, bring your clinic forward to finish at four in your case, for example. The FA, coming back to the football topic earlier, also give the timetable of the religious events. And if there's teams that have a lot of Muslim players, they ask the teams, do you want to play? Do you, want, do you not want to play? So there are lots of things in place right now. There's a lot of advice on Diabetes UK as well for employers and also to employees to how to approach their employers. That, that's a really good point. Yeah, I used, to, I used to, with my colleagues, try to explain why I was doing it in Ramadan. Um, and also ask my managers to take my lunch later on in the day mm -hmm. at, at, at um, iftari time. And the colleagues, it, it's about educating your colleagues. The colleagues were, you know, when you try to explain, it's no, nothing, nothing past your lips and etc etc and they would say oh do, and they were quite good because do you mind if we get in front of you because i don't mind that at all you just carry on doing your normal stuff like you know um but it is a little bit about educating um i mean i ran a cricket club for a good number of years and majority of them um muslims so during ramadan the the common thing saturday one team goes out and bats we have a tea break and then next so during Ramadan, none of our players are taking tea. They just sit in the dressing rooms. And some of the uh, other clubs who are uneducated, and I have to say that, um, were saying, what's wrong with them? They're in a huff, blah, blah, blah. They just don't even uh, comprehend the fact that it is Ramadan, like, you know. And I think it's, it's one of the things that I know when I used to work for the NHS and, and have conversations around equality and diversity, there are some huge issues anyway around things like... Um, how they choose to organise things. So quite often it would be, oh, well, we'll meet in the pub after work. And I've, even even in the last yeah. two years, have had people arrange meetings at two days' notice in a pub after work. Now, that excluded so much, it excluded any parents that needed to get home yeah. with their kids because mm -hmm. you normally didn't have enough time to make arrangements. But actually for a lot of people that don't take alcohol, mm -hmm. and obviously Muslims, Methodists, all that type of thing, they wouldn't necessarily want to go and sit in a pub. Yeah. Um, but... So sometimes just that kind of thing. And then you're seen as standoffish or you're excluded and that type of thing. So I think there's a huge discussion that, that we can have. And I think some of it is about us taking responsibility to educate our employers. Absolutely. But also our colleagues. But once mm. the employers are aware, they should be joining us to, to yeah. help support and, and to um, to educate the colleagues. Just getting back to your point, um not being prepared to open because you're right in the middle of my early childhood memories of fasting um, was my dear mother getting up at two o'clock in the morning and making a coal fire. Because this is the winter time I'm talking about. Yeah. Coal fire. All right. Um, it'll take an hour to get that done. Then she would make brought his right, fresh. Right. Uh, and then she'd wake us up and we'd be sleepwalking down the stairs. <laughs> Food would be put in front of us. Right. 
we would like a robot we would eat it right and then we would go back to bed yeah and then for school she used to put a couple of dates in a bag because it was winter if daddy was half three four o'clock we were still traveling back from school Mm. and you were supposed to break your fast like so she used to pack these two uh, in with it like you know and that's how I mean that's why I enjoyed the winter <laughs> Ramadan <laughs> I, I, they're, they're just a distant memory now Maz I really can't remember oh, I, I, I just have those memories ha, ha, um, how they used to be mm. but I remember once I was um, clinic had overrun mm. and I used to work in Sheffield so I was driving from Sheffield to Doncaster and um, I got um, a phone call from my dad saying why aren't you home it's time to open your fast. You should be home on time to open your fast. I said, well, Dada had clinic. You know, I'm, I'm coming, I'm coming, I'm on the motorway. Well, you should tell your manager that you need to be home at four o'clock. <laughs> I can still remember <laughs> that conversation. It, it's also breaking fast is a family thing, isn't it? You're it all is. Sit, you're all that, uh, it's a very big social thing. I th- mm. um, there was a, uh, a student um, I was speaking to and she said what she enjoys most about fasting is the closeness mm-hmm. because families do be and friends do become closer yeah. at Ramadan, don't they? Yeah, uh, yeah. absolutely. It's uh, the students as well as some um, NHS colleagues, the best time used to be iftari and they would bring lots of things. Talk. And that's a very informal way as well, a very soft way of informing your colleagues about what this is all about and everything. Oh, wow, you've been fasting all day. We didn't even realize. You know, we've been eating in front of you. Feel so bad doing that in front of you. I won't do that tomorrow. Things like that. It's automatic when people realize that this person's been working just as hard as we have, but they've fasted without water and food, and they're inviting us to share their food in the evening. So that's very lovely gesture as well. You know, I... um, I ran a restaurant for a few years. All the chefs were Muslims, bar one. Right? And they, in a baking hot kitchen, they were all fasting. And they couldn't even. I know women are allowed to taste the food that they are uh, cooking for their husbands while they're fasting. Are they? Yeah. Um, uh, oh, oh, yeah, oh, yes. You can, like, you can taste it and then sort of spit it, it out. out. Yeah. 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 I but remember these, my mum used to do that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah th- these guys were just cooking in baking hot. Right? And when it was a study time, that was the busiest time in the restaurant because we had all tables booked for that. I used to go in there and just give them a plate of fruit and say, it's, it's time. They would just take a date and they would just carry on. Mm until the rush and then an hour later they would actually sit down and have something to eat uh, we talk about brain surgeons we talk and there's a lot of um jobs out there yes. where it is absolutely difficult yes uh, um to do it but they they still do it like you know i'm being a bit of a hypocrite myself here and like, i think you know. i think i would struggle um not with the food element of it because probably shouldn't say it but i quite often go all day and don't eat just because I forget, or I'm busy. You forget to eat. Oh, I can quite easily forget to eat. <sighs> if I'm not, if I don't feel hungry, I can forget to eat. However, not drinking anything, I would yeah. find really difficult. I'm, I'm very, the same. very difficult. And you know, I'm a big cup of tea person. So if I couldn't have 
um, tea throughout the day or at least water throughout the day, that's where I would find it most difficult. It's it's the people who are walking um, there in jobs like postman, for example, mm. or the building works people. And on a day like this, 20 degrees, yeah. 17 hour long fast without water is very, very tough. I have huge respect Absolutely. for everyone who does fasting in Ramadan because when I think of doing it myself, I think it, it's going to need a lot of courage and determination yeah. to do it. So. Well, what, what you find is that your body does adapt. It yes, does. Absolutely. It, um, it does. I think the first few days, days. are hard. Um, more so because you forget, because mm. you can feel, oh, I'm feeling hungry. Uh, what? Oh, I can't. It's right. fantastic. So I, I always forget in the first couple of days. But now, alhamdulillah, I have to say, I just you've trained your brain. It's a mindset. You've switched off. And I know that I'm busy all day. And I, the, the, uh, the first time I'll start to think about food is in the evening. When you have to cook it. Um, now, actually, I was struggling with that, Maz. So, oh. so what I did was on Sunday, I I sort of half prepared loads of stuff, mm. and so each day I just so have to finish so, it off. So you don't have to do any. So I don't actually have to do any cooking every night. And you know what? That is so much better. Mm. Big top tip, everybody out there: pot cook all your stuff so you're not starting from scratch every night because i find from now the fast opens about 10 past nine yeah seven o'clock onwards i just am flat right mm. yeah i really park myself on the settee and i struggle much to do much more than that monday and tuesdays are my cooking days mm. are they i virtually cook for the whole of the week do you I plan yeah me and my son we go shopping on a sunday we'll plan the food for the full week mm. and monday and tuesday Cook, pod cook, right? So, minimal effort. Mm -hmm. Perfect tip. Hello and welcome back to Health Matters. This is Steph. And this is Shamshad here and we have two guests with us today. We've got Chitra. Hi. Hello. And we've got Maz. Hello. Hello. So we've been talking about Ramadan, and I must admit, I haven't had lunch yet, so my stomach is starting. So I really empathise with you, Shamshan. Sure. Um, I don't know how you're doing it. You're thinking of food, then. I am thinking of food. They say it's in my head. Um, but we were going to talk about the type of things that we should be eating um, when we break the fast. So, Shamshad, what type of things do people tend to eat, not necessarily the right things? Oh, well, I'm going to throw that question to Maz. So in your household, going back to your childhood, Maz, All right. what what what, what used to be laid on the table? Standard, there was fruit to break the fast, right, dates, melons, etc. Uh, and then at home, it was basically chipotles and, and curry, mm -hmm. whatever the one my mum made. And that was standard, I think, standard across all. Um, I was last night at the Heaton Mosque mm -hmm. at Iftari because mm -hmm. um, there was a khatam for one of my friends, uh, Chacha, that passed away. Uh, so I was helping in the kitchen. Uh, fruit, samosas, pakoras, chicken and spinach, 
and chapatis. Mm. Oh, the chicken and spinach is and then wow, <laughs> and then sweet rice afterwards. Like, but that's every night. So there's about two hundred people that go to the mosque to break the fast. Yeah, and each day someone says it. I will pay for the f- opening of the the fast. It's all already filled up for the thirty days, and it's the same standard thing. So, and I, I virtually every Asian household that will be it right mornings exactly the same thing right some people have cereal yeah all right it, it's funny actually i'm smiling um because as you were describing the food there in the mosque um, you're getting more hungry well, well no but my, my ex-husband was sikh so i spent um quite a lot of time in gurdwaras and my daughter when she was young used to spend a lot of time in the gurdwara and um she recently with school went on a visit to the the local gurdwara here and she said it was like a massive flashback for her but the thing that she used to do that used to make us all laugh was she'd take her, her chapati and she'd use it to eat the sweet rice. So when you were talking about chapati, <laughs> and even now she'll dip her chips in her milkshake from McDonald's. So she still has this thing of savoury with sweet going on. Well, yeah. sweet rice isn't sweet rice for me unless I have natural yoghurt on it. Oh, oh okay. It's that sweet and sour mm-hmm. kind of tip. Yeah. Something my mother introduced me to. Many many years ago. That 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 that's funny that because I was speaking to um some friends we met a few months ago. We were having this conversation, and as a kid, we always had our savoury rice and sweet rice on the same plate right. together yeah. with the yogurt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and for me, that that is the best way to eat it. <laughs> if I just eat sweet rice on its own, I don't find it tastes as good. Is that a throwback to? It's a throwback to, to yeah. you as well. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. But, but nobody st- knows where that really comes from because some people, when you speak to them, they think, really, that's very odd. But I, I know that in Pakistan, uh, a, a lot of people will mix the sweet rice and the savoury rice and eat it together as one, like, mm. you know. Yeah, so we always did that as children. Mm-hmm. But when I got married and I was doing it, my husband was like, why are you eating your sweet rice with your savoury rice? <laughs> and I said, but that is how you eat it. He said, I don't. Where did you get that idea from? <laughs> but Steph, I mean, it's probably the wrong type of food. Mm. Mornings, all right, butter laden parathas, like, you know. Oh, but yeah. Yeah, all right, good. okay. <laughs> uh, and, and, and the evenings, we're eating curries. Yeah. Um, obviously, it'll be rices as well, like, you know. Um, and then you then you eat and you go to bed. Mm. Probably well, I, the, I feel like... Ta- uh, I feel tempted to talk like a doctor now (laughs) (laughs) about healthy food. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) But this is very true. This is the typical food that you'd have for Sahari and Iftar. Yeah. Um, So really, the Ramadan can be as healthy as we can make it and as unhealthy as we can make it as well. And at the end of the month, you can feel better, lost weight, healthier, happier or really ill. Uh, and it all depends on what you've eaten throughout I never the month. Lo- I never lost weight. <laughs> when I, it's yeah, bec- when I was... get, yeah, getting back to your point, because you're eating at 11 o'clock at night or whatever, right? And then you're going to, it's just lying in your stomach. Yeah. And then three o'clock in the morning, you're then... But <laughs> right? yeah. But you are burning up those calories through the day. During a day, yeah. So, mm. yeah, but I, I think it's probably got more to do with what you're eating than the times of day that you're eating. But, well, but I would also question that, are we really burning it up? Because don't you find that when it's the month of Ramadan, most of the community completely 
close down a lot of things, don't they? Obviously, mm. if you're at work, you, you're doing your normal work yeah, routine. Yeah. But if somebody was to go for a walk normally, they're not. A lot of people will think, "Oh no, I'm not going to go for a walk." Mm-hmm. Um, if they um, just trying to think of other stuff, people do tend slow to down. slow down, and a lot of people. Um, when my kids were at school, there was a Bangladeshi family, and what they did, they turned their whole life topsy-turvy for a month so during the day the whole family would sleep and through the night the whole family would stay awake right so the kids used to be up all through the night playing video games watching tv eating normally and then come daytime the whole household would sleep all day and they did that for the full 30 days so they just came out of school for that period Um, I think because it fell in the summertime, oh, they right. weren't yeah. actually mm-hmm. at school at that time. Mm-hmm. Um, or they did that at weekends because mm-hmm. um, it was coming to the end of the summer term. But I just thought that isn't what Ramadan is about because you're so turning your body metabolism and clock mm-hmm. upside down. That can't be good for you, Chitra. No, it? that's right. Like I said... Um, when I worked as a diabetes specialist at the Newcastle Diabetes Centre, this would be a very common topic before Ramadan and after Ramadan. How are you going to do it? What are you going to change? How are you going to make it safe? And at the end, after Ramadan, patients will come. Somebody said, HbA1c has improved. Wow, I've lost the stone in weight. I feel so much better. And another person will come and they've gained eight kilograms HbA1c has gone up, they've both done exactly the same a month's worth of fast. And they say, but you know, doctor, it's very difficult to say no to iftari parties to friends. <laughs> <laughs> so it's what they've done, isn't it? Um, but the key things, I think, is I'm conscious that we're talking a lot about food, mm-hmm. but the water remains wow. one of the very, very key things at um, breaking the the iftar after iftar and also for seher um and i think um prophet muhammad also said that water is very important thing and you have to eat it in little sips often throughout the period that you're allowed to eat and drink particularly the late hours uh, at night uh, before you sleep and then when you wake up until you're then setting off your your uh, fast having water in breaks is extremely important and water juices tea coffee are actually going to cause more dehydration so key thing is water but don't you find i find in the month of ramadan ruafsa which is this sweet a uh, sweet rose, water. rose cordial mm. suddenly becomes like I'll very popular <laughs> I mean, yeah, because they used to back home <laughs> Yes, and often out of stock. Back home, that was used to um, and what, drink. Was that particularly in the month of Ramadan? Was? I think it's popular all year round. Yeah, yeah, but I think but I don't know. It, it becomes very popular in the month of Ramadan. Very People sickly. talk about historically. Oh, my parents always used to give us ruaf sasa. Yeah. So mm. it, it at the time of iftar, if you have a sugary drink. It gives you quick energy, which you need at that time. It rehydrates you quickly. Um, and I think Ruha, Ruha also has a few things that cool 
your body down. They make you feel oh, wow. cool. And so that, for that time, it probably does have some benefit if taken in, in a short am- amount, uh, in a small amount. Um, but that shouldn't certainly be the fluid of rehydration throughout. Yeah. But then, Mars, you were talking about you would the first thing you would have would be some dates or some yeah, food. Yeah, dates and then some food. And actually that to me seems like a more sensible way of getting fluid, particularly if it's fresh fruit rather than dried fruit. Yeah. But also the sugar. Yeah. Um, that you would need that would, so you would still be getting that kind of injection Richen. of sugar without it being bad. You know, it's That's very interesting. And, and historically the Quran actually states that yeah. you should Open your fast with dates, doesn't it? And there's no dates available. Salt. And salt. <laughs> yeah, just a bunch of salt. Yeah. Oh, I, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, but they're date right. dates are amazing. I mean, they're like a powerhouse of nutrients. Mm. They they they've got your fibre. They've got your sugar. They've got iron in it. Calcium. Um, they've got a lot of other vitamins so they're, they're and real, minerals. Yeah, as they're well. a real good powerhouse. But one question I wanted to throw out there was that everybody suddenly goes into spring roll, smosse and bagara mm-hmm. to initially open your fast. Mm. But we don't really, or do we, eat like that all year round? No. We don't. No, we don't. So why do we do it as a standard in the month of Ramadan? Because these kids are being brought up thinking that that is a standard item we have to have in the month of Ramadan, which we do not. It's a bit like having chocolate for breakfast on Christmas Day. Just... <laughs> I think when I was young, it was just different things mum would lay out. It's like rang barang, right? Yeah. Um, and it was like a little treat, really, right? Because normally we'd just have Korean chapatis, that's yes. it. But then, you know, she would mix up on us, mosas or pakoras as well. And you look forward to... Yeah, it, like, oh, it, it is a treat. Yeah, it is a treat. Yeah, like, yeah, you know? yeah. for, for children, all the most children are very healthy and their bodies are quite capable of taking these things. And I think it, it's a very good treat for them. You know, it's just saying you've really done well. Yeah. Um, so a couple of samosas for children after some dates. Dates are great because they digest quickly and give you calories straight away and even... Prophet Muhammad said that if anyone's um, fasting, let him break his fast with dates. So it's all in line really with the current um, health philosophy as well. Um, But a little bit of treat for for children's okay. It's, it's, I think, the people who are older, who are on medicines or who have health problems or who suffer with acidity and things like that. They should have a, a, a very small break and then they should have a proper iftari food after that but but they don't do they people gorge on smosi and bakari and be, just become very full don't they because you're hungry <laughs> yeah and they are really tasty and you've kind of got permission because that's what you do yeah. yeah so you overindulge yeah i mean my memory recollection once again was that after fruit and a samosa my hunger used to die yeah yes uh, for a while Right. Uh, obviously, your stomach starts to shrink as well because after 10, 15 days of no food during the day, it totally works. But I can tell you an example. People, my friends with, di- with diabetes, big plates of sweet rice. like, <laughs> 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 uh, And a standing joke, give the diabetes 
di- diabetes people the first lot because they're just dying for this mm. sugar intake. But but that's the other thing on the other side of your meal. Um, everybody makes puddings every single night. Now routinely, mm. well in my house you won't get a pudding, so don't bother coming <laughs> to my house. Uh, but we don't routinely have puddings every night either do we so no why do people think they deserve because that's what it is they think because it's a they treat fasted, it's a treat for keeping you fast isn't it so they the they they'll do the smoothie pakoris and they will make kheer or a sweet rice or a firni or something like that yeah. uh, as well like you know we you just had teen biscuits we uh, did as you said <laughs> we have um so obviously the, the biggest festival in christianity is christmas and one of the things about when I was a child, Christmas was Christmas Day, yeah, Boxing Day, and that was it. And then you might have like a bit, like almost like a, a repeat of Christmas dinner on New Year's Day, yeah. And you might have a party on New Year's Eve. So a, at most four days. It's now become a two-week period of just eating and drinking and gorging yourself. It's just binging, it isn't is. it? Mm. And I think that it. it the way that you're speaking is almost like it's it's 30 days of I'm not going to eat anything. I'm going to be really, really good. And then when I'm allowed to eat, I'm just going to eat anything and everything because I've deprived myself all day. The problem is you're doing that day after day. If it was just once, it would mm. probably be fine, but it's day after day after day after day. And I suppose that's when the challenge comes, isn't it? Because really, the whole point of the month of Ramadan, as I said at the beginning, is to optimise your health, mm. is self-reflection, self-control, and to become closer and to Allah. But we don't actually follow all those, do we? Well, on, I, I was going to tell a, you that, if you had asked me why basis. I wasn't fasting, all right, and saying, okay, a lot of people will fast full stop they'll get up in the morning and they'll break their fast right but it also means about reading the prayer five times a day doing talawith with the Quran anytime you've got spare yeah. uh, giving yourself a 100% to Allah for that 30 days yes. right? not many do that no they don't right. so I think why be being a hypocrite I don't do it during 11 months mm-hmm. so I mean, I'll go, I'll go to hell. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but I, I'm sure there's other ways you can redeem. Well, yourself. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it. Um, but that's you're right. You have to give yourself for that month, and that is your sole thing for that month. It, it is because it's it's physical, mental, and spiritual healing. It's the mm. whole package, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And you're very right. A lot of people will will not observe the religion the other 11 months of the year but mm. come ra- my, my daughter made this comment as well she said mm. mom but you know they don't they're not practicing muslims normally so mm. why does such and such as family like why are they fasting yeah uh, and i thought well yeah that's that's fair comment you know for a child to observe and and mm. and comment on but people do don't they yeah and they'll do the fast, but you're right. Are they speaking kind words? Are they doing the self-reflection? Are they making time for prayer so they can talk yeah. to Allah more and, mm. and become closer? Are they reading the Quran? 
and, and doing the flap, they, they, they don't do all those things, do they? A lot of them don't go for travis. Yeah. But you're supposed to, which is your, uh, um, you're telling God that you're going to fast tomorrow. But it's, it's a long prayer, isn't it? <laughs> it is, and it is tiring. It's tiring, and you've yeah. just eaten, right? And people don't do that either. Mm. But that's good exercise then. It, 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 yeah, it helps, it helps you digest, you digest your food. <laughs> so highly recommended for that purpose. Yeah, not people don't. I mean, my late father worked manual shipyards and everything, so he never fasted, right? And when I was talking to him before he passed, he's nearly 20 years now, um, he had said that I, I read the Quran when I was young, I came over here in 1930-something, right? Um, and doing this in this country was very difficult. Mm. It's difficult now, but in those times, right, you know? Um, he says, I'll meet my maker. He goes, I will die in the month of Ramadan. Because apparently, if you die in the month of Ramadan, you've got a direct passport to heaven. Yes. He died on the last Friday of Ramadan. Oh, really? The, the holiest... Alhamdulillah. The holiest day in mm-hmm. the calendar, right? Uh, and he says, yeah, that's his. Because he had a stroke a couple of, couple of years before he passed away and I went to visit him. He was in hospital in Scotland because that had given me a fright. He goes, it's not Ramadan, I'm going nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> now that's control, isn't it? That is now control. he was he was speaking to Allah <coughs> at, at some level. There. Well, yeah, yeah, he we was. all do it at some level, right? Yes. But getting back to your point about the one month, you have to give all for that month. Mm. Either you give all or yeah. you don't do it. And that's basically me like, mm. you know? Yeah, yeah, fair point. Yeah, yeah, yeah fair uh, point. I, I was very impressed when I, um, I was reading up a little bit more and there's so many profound statements and um, they're so so good to follow in life. Like this, uh, this one in chapter 20, verse 81 of the Quran says, eat of the good unwholesome things that we have provided for your sustenance but indulge in no excess therein mm. and that is exactly what ramadan is about and that is exactly the point that everybody misses about ramadan. yes <laughs> we just spoke about that yeah that, that that is the point because it doesn't actually ask you to overindulge mm. it asks you to optimize your health mm-hmm. and i think it's it's amazing that this was written how many hundreds of years ago mm-hmm. and when people follow it it does improve people's health absolutely mm. your your as you were saying teacher your hba1c can go down you can some people could even start to reverse their diabetes absolutely. in that time absolutely. if you lose weight your blood pressure levels could come down you absolutely. could reduce your medication dose you may even come off your medicine completely. Um, mm. It just makes such a huge impact. There will be people who are so poor in their mobility at the moment, but if they were to observe the fast, if they were capable of observing the fast, they could get their mobility back. One of the things that kind of strikes me is we're just about to get into exam season. So we've got GCSEs, AS levels, A levels. We've got university exams and things like that. Um, 
so this probably isn't the time that we we want students to be kind of low energy and having problems perhaps with caffeine withdrawal and stuff like that so Sham Sham, I'm just wondering from your perspective what are the type of things people should be thinking about if they're going into exam situations yeah I think um it's unfortunate that the exam period has yet again fallen in the month of Ramadan and it will continue to do so for a couple of years yet. And it's important to know if you are a student and you're sitting important exams like GCSEs, A-levels or at university, if you're concerned about your fasting and you think it could significantly affect your grades, it's important to remember you can always go and discuss your concerns with your tutor at university or your teacher because most schools and universities are very accommodating when they know they have a student who is going to be fasting and also remember that the whole purpose of Ramadan is that Allah is most generous and kind at this month and if you think that fasting is not going to work for you while sitting exams you can skip your fast and make it up in other ways, as we talked about earlier. So we talked about fitya, which is when you can give food to the poor. You can do your fast again uh, at, a, at another time of the year. Um, but the pressure shouldn't be on for you to be fasting if you feel that it is really going to impact on your concentration levels, especially if it's an important exam which is going to affect the rest of your life mm -hmm. right? and, and i suppose that's the thing isn't it that there's um there's no desire anywhere for for somebody to ruin their future prospects because they're fasting that's just not not the type of thing that anybody would want particularly yeah. if it's important exams like mm -hmm. gcse's and the whole career depends on mm -hmm. it then fasting at another time might be more appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Allah wouldn't mind it. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it says that quite clearly in the Quran. Yeah. What about if people wanted to, you know, they want to fast for the bulk of the period, but actually they know they've got exams on certain days, so therefore yeah. on those days they'd like to not. Would that be something that they could do? Yeah, it is. Um, I think my five top tips for students who especially the students who are at uni and are living away from home it's hard enough for students to be living away from home in the month of Ramadan mm. because as we were discussing with Maz earlier it's quite a close time families become closer together and there's a social element to it with iftaris and people get together to open their fast and eat so it can be quite a lonely isolating time for a student to be sitting their final exams in the month of Ramadan away from home. So my five top tips for you guys would be, you need to remember that suhoor is about sustainable food. So as I mentioned earlier, it's about eating foods that are low GI, high in protein, and very quick and easy to prepare. At home, you may have been lucky and had a mum like Maz who made you brate uh, first thing in the morning, but I'm sure that you're not going to do that in, in your uni digs. So it's about choosing oat-based cereals. It's even choosing um, the latest trend is overnight oats. So you put all the ingredients together, leave it in the fridge overnight, and then when you want to eat it, you don't even have to cook it. 
Yeah, it's not my favourite. <laughs> lots of people, you're right, lots of people do uh, like I, it. Are doing that now. I have to say, I haven't tried it yet, but I'm very tempted. And some, there's some good recipes on the BBC website. So it's a bit uh, like royal something. But if you like yeah, music, it's yeah. probably the type of thing you'd like. Uh, so there's re- some really quick and simple things you can do. The most important advice I'd give you is really avoid sugary breakfast cereals and bre- uh, sugary cereal bars. So anything that has a sugar content of 20 grams per 100 grams of sugar on the label, uh-uh, just avoid it because you're just going to get a big high and then it's going to crash a few hours later, leaving you feeling absolutely lethargic and tired, which you don't need when you're trying to revise for exams. Um, the same is true with iftari. If you have food that's a lot of sugar again, that gives a very high sugar and then a dip. So it's it important because you're going to be fasting long hours to keep it steady throughout. Absolutely, yeah. So my top tip for iftar would be you're looking for foods that are going to replenish your body because it's not had any food or drink for 18 hours. And again, it's important to keep it simple. So if you're cooking for yourself, it's to plan ahead and do your shop food shopping in bulk. I know you don't have a lot of storage space at, at uni, but it is doable. And again, cook your meals in bulk as well and keep them simple. So for example, instead of standing over the cooker, adding ingredients one by one, trying to replicate something that your mum might have typically made at Iftari, just throw all the ingredients into a, a, a baking pan. So it could be your chicken, your spices, your root vegetables, some extra vegetables, and even your rice. Um, and just leave it to cook and it will be ready for you. And that's vital time that you could be revising um, or preparing for your exam for the next day. So it's about keeping it simple, but choosing healthy meals that um, still have flavour, still are wholesome, but you're going to replenish your body with a good set of nutrients on those days. Tip, Top tip number three would be when you're revising for long periods throughout the day, you do feel lethargic, your energy levels do drop. And I would say sleep is absolutely crucial. So if you're burning the midnight oil, it ain't going to help you, especially when you're getting up at suhoor at 3am in the morning to start your fast. It's very important to make sure you're getting at least seven hours quality sleep. And if you're struggling with that, don't don't think it's a bad thing to have a power nap. So if you're struggling, just go away, put your head down, put your alarm on for 15 20 minutes and just have a nap and honestly it does the world of good doesn't it it does i mean i i regularly have naps and there's some really good nap apps out there where you can say i want to sleep for 30 minutes and it wakes you up at the end of the 30 so it helps you to get to sleep although you may not need much help (laughs) but it does help you to get to sleep but then it wakes you up at the end so you know that you're not going to oversleep they're really useful and i think that's really useful and the other crucial time i know i struggle with this is just the hour before if that don't fight it just go just go and have a nap for for 30 40 minutes um just before if that's going to open and you'll feel you'll just feel so much better the other key thing is hydration 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 like Chitra said it is vitally important and you only have a very short window between iftar and sehri so 
just constantly keep sipping water. Sugar-free drinks or water is the most ideal. Sugary drinks, okay, it's, it, it's fine to open your fast with if you feel you need it. But in the long term, water, milk, um, sugar-free drinks are, are more ideal. And try and drink as much as you can. But don't try and drink a pint when you wake up at Sehri because it, it just, it's just not good for you. You just feel totally bloated and, and you can't go to sleep, which is going to impact on your sleep again. Um, physical activity, I think really important. I know not a lot of people go into sort of slumber mode and think you need to conserve your energy or you're going to be hungrier if you try and do some activity. It is really important because physical activity, it um, encourages your body to produce endorphins. You feel better in yourself. It improves your concentration levels and you can keep it light cardio during the day. And if you've been going to the gym regularly and you're worried that you're going to lose your muscle mass, you can do your weight training after iftar. And that's absolutely fine because at that point, when you finished your training, you can come home and you can top yourself up with some extra protein, nuts, seeds, while you're reading your taravi prayer. And it's ideal. Um, another point is the the... There are a lot of foods I wouldn't say you need to avoid, but I would say you maybe need to limit. And that's a lot of the salty, very spicy foods that are served at iftari because they simply make you thirstier. It's also important to try not to have fried fatty foods every single day. So as we were discussing earlier, everyone thinks, oh, I need it. I deserve it. I need a treat. And they all go for your spring rolls, your bagaris smorsi. I'm giving these a really bad name, aren't I? <laughs> you make me want them, actually. Um, they can cause heartburn as well and make you more thirsty. They, they can. They give you tired. reflux as well. Absolutely right, Chitra. So now and again, yeah, but not. you don't need to. It's actually better to go for fruits that have a high water content like melon, watermelon, oranges, strawberries, yeah. So you're actually getting some really good nutrients from there, but you're also rehydrating with water. And yogurt is another one. Adding yogurt on top of your fruit, yogurt is has high water content as well. And Lettuce soups as and well. And yeah. Like that. Absolutely. Um and some of the things that people struggle with are things like constipation, headaches, heartburn, and feeling full quickly. So I would say it's important to keep your soluble fibre, plenty of fruit and veg, and your salad items like Chitra mentioned, because that'll help combat the constipation caffeine ramadan has already started i would say it's always good to start weaning yourself off caffeine a few days before you want to start ramadan but certainly if you're one of those students who has the high caffeine drinks to try and keep you awake to cram in that last minute revision knock them on the head because the caffeine is actually more likely to give you a headache while you're fasting because caffeine taken in large quantities can have a dehydrating effect. We've mentioned heartburn, which you get from eating a lot of foods very quickly, especially if they're fried or fatty foods. And one thing I think 
a struggle that isn't talked about a lot is that some people feel full very quickly. So they're actually missing out on a good chunk of energy and nutrients and they may not need to lose weight and they may actually become nutrient depleted at the end of the 30 months because they can't manage to eat a lot. So my advice would be to pace yourself. So in other words, if you imagine you have a meal, but you'll break it up into smaller components and you'll you'll sort of snack at that meal over the space of three hours. So you can eat your full meal, but you're eating it in smaller quantities. Mm. And also to make sure that your meals are are nutrient dense and you're getting good value protein you're getting good value vitamins in there and so you're not going to miss out and don't drink with your meal try and drink in between meals so you're not filling up on your fluid so i think it's been a a very packed show this afternoon Bye from me, Shamshad. And bye from me, Steph.